Hello, you're listening to the GamesIndustry.biz podcast. I'm James Batchelor and I am joined by... Brendan Sinclair. Chris Dring. Rebecca Valentine. And since we've already kicked the year off with, we've got the analyst predictions piece on the site, which you should absolutely go and read. The industry picks for their most anticipated games or events, which you also should read. But we also want to dust off our own crystal balls and proclaim the many, many industry-shaping things that we believe will happen in 2019. And that is far, far too grand an intro for basically what's going to be about an hour of us speculating, but educated guessing, I feel. Um, Does anybody want to go first? Does anyone want to put forward a prediction of what will happen in the games industry in 2019? I'll put forward a question, um, something that I'm very, very curious about, but feel that I don't have necessarily a very specific prediction for. Um, I'm very curious as we go into 2019 to see how the Discord store and how the Epic store shape up as they start to grow and get more games on them and how that affects, if it affects in any way, um, what Steam is doing. I will I will offer an answer which may be good or may not be. Um, but I, I think that this outside pressure uh we already know that it that it is getting to valve a little bit because i think that their their staggered uh revenue shares that they announced was sort of a preemptive response when they knew that this was was coming up um but i i think they really have to go further than that this year uh to to sort of get closer to the the 12 percent and 10 percent take that uh, Epic and Discord are using. So I'd be surprised if there isn't like a 15% Valve cut by the end of the year just for everyone using Steam. Yeah, I, I thought it was interesting looking at the European charts um, towards the end of the year and that GTA 5 was number one in the download charts over Christmas. Um, and that just shows you how powerful Steam is. So I, 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 you know, platforms is going to be the is yeah is going to be the conversation of the year. Um, Epic Store and Discord and Tencent, whoever else is doing it, um, Steam will will still be the powerhouse by the end of the year. I think no doubt, but they will be. I think they they do face some actual somebody that will at least chip away at their market share and attract some companies to you know maybe try a different store. We're already seeing that happening, and I think if Steam wants to stop that. On a big scale, I think you're right. I think they'll have to um, be a little bit more friendly in order to try and be a little bit more aggressive because Epic are going to be aggressive. They're already being aggressive. Um, but as I say, even if I still think it's it Steam's to lose, right? They've got the they've got the power, they've got the base, they've got the audience, um, and so they want to protect it. But perhaps not. The, yeah, I, I agree. I think they will have to make some moves. I'm intrigued to see if if epic opens their store a bit more to kind of and starts reaching out to kind of the big third parties because so far the lineup is primarily indie i know there's a few thq nordic uh games in there but obviously thq nordic very much kind of a mid-tier publisher they're not going to make a massive dent in steam's business until they've got until they've got the gta 5s and they've got the call of duties or whatever on their store and i don't know if that's what they want to do i think they they want to build this as a haven for indie developers to begin with but i think if they want to grow it commercially they're inevitably going to have to reach out to the third parties at some point well steam started with small developers also outside of valve um, I think it was like the the media molecule uh, crew 
was was first right with like kung fu ragdoll kung fu that was it and then it was some strategy things and, and it just sort of like it built up to the point where we were like oh wow sega and take two are putting their games on there so like i i think that's that's kind of a good way to build these things and like they already have their their half-life counter-strike this is what gets people to download it uh with Fortnite, and like for for epic i don't think it's like intentionally trying to keep the the activisions and eas at bay i just think the activisions and the eas tend to be um behind the curve a little conservative i guess about embracing new platforms and, and new modes of doing things until they're more convinced that it's really worth their their time and resources and in the case of EA, they're still trying to build their own business with Origin, aren't they? They're still trying to build up the you know subscriptions and streaming and all that that stuff together. All, all of them are, um, because I don't I don't think it's about the AAA third parties. I think they're gone. I think they're gone not just from Epic. I think they're gone from Steam. It's Take Two are the only ones, maybe Sega as well, who are still using Steam. Bethesda left. Um, uh, Activision now go through everything through Battle.net. Um, the um, EA go through Origin. Ubisoft still use Steam, but obviously they, they also have their own thing. I think they don't want to give any percentage of their game sales to any you know whether it's five percent, ten percent, eighty percent. They don't want to give any of it um, away. And uh, I think rather than people, rather than you know take two going, oh we'll go with Epic Store. I think they'll just more likely open a Rockstar portal or something for you to be able to download the games from rather than rather than jump ship because that way they get to they'll, they'll view their games as strong enough um to attract a to attract a uh, uh, an audience the only the only thing they might end up going on is the streaming platforms because they obviously don't have that technology um yeah what you were saying chris earlier about gta 5 being the top download game over the holidays like that's sort of like okay yeah it shows you how big steam still can be for for publishers but it, it also shows you that you know a lot of those recent games that you talk about the big triple a ones they they aren't on steam now so it's sort of like if if i were were valve and like i think they've already clearly seen this trend of people wanting to to kind of cut them out of the the loop and i'm not sure what they can really do to keep them in there no i i I think i think it's there's a couple that might be attracted to their new model and think, or oh, maybe I won't do my own store. Um, in but yeah, it, they've lost. You know, they've, EA, Ubisoft, they all go for their own stores now. Um, and I think that's only going to continue. If I was, if I, if Take Two decide to put Red Dead Redemption Two on PC, um, I would be wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't on Steam and it was on their own thing. But um, it is sort of a bummer because. Generally, my understanding is that users find all those extra stores like Origin and Uplay and all those other ones really obnoxious. We hate using them, but we also have no other options if we want to play on PC. So we just have, you know, 10 launchers installed on our computers. And there's like one launcher for each AAA game that we own. And then there's Steam. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously on the one hand, that's the negative. But on the other hand, you know, competition's good, right? Um, it it makes it drives the you know the revenue you know because Epic are there Valve are having to be a little bit more aggressive in terms of its revenue share. It means that you know quality and theory will get better because they all want to compete with each other and start stealing each other's ideas or building on each other's ideas and 
and Steam has pretty much, you know, I've, I've, how many years I've been doing this now? How many articles I've written about Company X is going to take on Steam? And they never do. They don't ever get close. And so it's nice to see potentially a company, because Epic, I think, with Fortnite and with what they're planning to do, they might be able to get close. You never know. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they end up leveraging their Fortnite audience to kind of push them towards all these other games. Because right now, at least in terms of them launching their game, um, it's or launching their launcher, <laughs> um, it seems like their focus is mostly on creating a really strong developer experience and not necessarily on bringing this massive audience over with like these huge titles. Like you said, it's mostly you know it's like THQ Nordic. It's kind of middle like indie titles, not. You know, not nothing giant aside from Fortnite. Well, that's the thing. I mean, given the, the size of Fortnite's audience, inevitably means that a significant portion of people who play it are those who are just playing this because it's the big thing. It's the one where they hang out with their friends. And as soon as the next big thing, in capital letters, comes along, um, they'll move away from Fortnite. They're not necessarily going to Epic's site you know, for Fortnite and for other games. They're going to it purely for Fortnite, and then as soon as their interest in Fort wanes, which in, eventually it will, they then won't be interested in the Epic Game Store, and I think Epic is going to have to work out how they contend with that. Yeah, it's sort of like with the um, when the Wii blew up. Uh, everyone had a Wii. They sold you know, 100 million plus consoles, but that you know after people had done we sports and we fit and everything that that casual mainstream audience that had so built it up they stopped buying games so like i i think epic's probably pretty aware that that they're sitting on a mainstream phenomenon but the mainstream phenomenon just the nature of it is that it, it is you know a a passing phase and i i think focusing on uh, a developer friendly storefront is kind of like a differentiating factor uh, with developers that will that will kind of prepare them better for a after the Fortnite boom kind of shrinks a little, assuming that happens. Because there's all the core gamers that they are going after. You know, there's a huge percentage of them that already have the Epic Store installer through Fortnite now. And they're still going to want to play other games. And if they can get a game cheaper, or it just happens to be exclusive to the Epic Game Store that they've heard about, then, you know, that works for Epic. They also maybe have some kind of advantage, too, because it seems like there are a lot of people, like you said, latching, latching onto Fortnite because it is the big thing and not necessarily because they played a ton of other games before or regularly shop around and look at other games. And so they have possibly like this new audience coming in that they could, if they play their cards right, attract to other games when Fortnite does eventually slow down. Mm. Oh, if it does. I mean, I'm still waiting for Minecraft to slow down. Uh, the, um, the, um, <laughs> uh, and this, there's the Unreal stuff as well, isn't there? There's, there's, um, if you use the engine, you get a... Uh, I guess, yeah, yeah. I don't have anything to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, they've been winning over people with Unreal for a good few years now. Ever since Unreal went free, I've I've known a lot of developers who, uh, just anecdotally, I've known a lot of developers who have shifted from Unity to Unreal because the engine's a bit more powerful. They can do larger, or, you know, more more high end sort of games. They can do the experiment different concepts, and then there's that whole it's free apart from the five percent royalty thing. So yeah, I, I think. It's it's building on that work they've already been doing, pushing Unreal. 
while we're talking about platforms, because Chris, you said that uh, this is going to be something, not a platform war, that's a very strong phrase, but a platform scuffle, as it were, between all these different PC platforms. Obviously, there is speculation as to whether or not we're going to see new console platforms even just announced next year. Thoughts, people, what do we think? No. Nice and simple. <laughs> Love it. I, 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 said, I said on Twitter, I mean, all the analysts in the analyst article on our site think there will be a new... Uh, PS5 announced next year and I put on Twitter over Christmas that I think we might see a new Switch thing um, we Xbox might do a video where they tease uh, you know, some developers go oh it's so powerful it's amazing and then um, but I said I don't think we'll see a new PlayStation and it turned out I didn't think that was that controversial but it, apparently it was um, uh, I, I, and there's a reason why I think this so I mean it could show up at PSX if, in December and maybe Sony will feel it has to counter the PR noise that Xbox is making. But but business-wise, um, I don't think it makes a great deal of sense to announce a PlayStation 5 um, next year. I mean, if it's, if it's, I'm assuming it's coming at the end of 2020, and that's what we're hearing, um, then announce it, you know, early 2020 or even at E3 2020. And I, and I say this because I, I, we just did the UK sales figures. I know it's only UK. But PS4 sold more consoles last year than it did the year before. And that's, I'm not saying it's unheard of, but that's really rare for a console in its fifth year. Um, and that's just such an achievement. And now if you combine that with the fact that PS4 still got movement to go in terms of its price, it still has a load of exclusive games to come, uh, Last of Us 2 and Medieval and Dreams and Days Gone and Death Stranding and Ghosts of uh, Tsushima. Tsushima. Shenmue. Yeah, Shenmue 3, and there's a few others as well. And I just think, if I was Sony, you've got big games still coming, you've got price movement to go, your PS4 is still flying off the shelves. Do you really want to distract people with a new shiny PS5 that could be 18 months away? Um, I understand there's a PR conversation, and obviously they don't want to let Xbox um, get a head start like they did with the um, like they did with the 360 over the PS3. But, you know, if I was Sony, I would just let Microsoft reveal more of its plans, then go all guns blazing like they did with the PS4, in the beginning of the beginning of 2020, so I actually think we won't hear a lot. I think there'll be a lot of behind the scenes chatter and people talking about it, but I don't necessarily expect PlayStation to be revealing anything. I know that's not that goes against a lot of the, the wisdom that seems to be uh, out there, but that's my that's my prediction. Do you not think that we're going to get the kind of? I know it's just been sort of rumored around, but Microsoft was going to do like a streaming only kind of version of the Xbox. No, one. I mean that. Do you think I that's mean, I. Happen? I don't. It depends when XCloud's going to be ready. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Microsoft announced something. I mean, it, it wouldn't. Yeah, so if they could, they could turn Microsoft could turn up to E3, tease the next Xbox, and then show off a streaming box. You know, Nintendo might show off a. Uh, a lighter switch or, or a more powerful switch or whatever, but I, I but in terms of like proper full on next gen um, devices, I I mean I just it, it's just I, I I would just based on what they did last time where they announced the consoles in the same year they released them, I think that would happen. The only times that actually actually hasn't happened in the history of games is when somebody is trying to beat someone else to an announcement. So when um, PlayStation 3 was announced 18 months before they launched it, and I, th- that was a little bit because Xbox had already announced its new machine. And it's the same with the PlayStation 2 with the Dreamcast. Um, but PlayStation um, PSP, PS4, PlayStation Vita, they were all announced early in the year and then released later in the year. Um, and Xbox tends to do a you know an MTV special or something and then release it by Christmas. But So that's the only... 
that's the reason why I think it, it, you know it, I'm, I'm this this one this one's um, I'm, I'm gonna I'm putting myself out there. I might be wrong, but I, I predict that. So what about like the Xbox One X, which was a year and a half before? Yeah. Well, that was a tease. So I accept that Microsoft might do a tease. I mean, that, that, when they announced the Xbox One X, they just had a load of developers and some fancy yeah. graphics um, of, you know, when I say fancy graphics, I mean, just like logos and stuff. They didn't really show it until um, the following year. So yeah, you might get Xbox doing that. PlayStation don't tend to do that. Um, and w- with their decision to miss E3 next year, um, probably won't be at Gamescom next year. Um, and they've got obviously a lot of software still to talk about. I, I just, I just think that if they would just go right, we're going to save it all up and actually do a show because they haven't actually had a show. They used to at the beginning of this generation. Every time they did an event, they just shocked people and surprised people and delighted people with their big conferences. And I think they enjoy that. Um, and the last couple have been a bit quieter, a little bit, a little bit more disappointing because they actually don't have much to talk about. Um, so I, will, I do wonder if they'll wait and, and save it all up for something a bit more spectacular yeah no I, I kind of agree with you i don't think we'll see a full-blown announcement this year i think the the uh, the most we'll get is teases i kind of expect a tease from microsoft if playstation runs a playstation experience in december i reckon we'll get a tease there literally just the, the tiniest like briefest little video that just hints at a logo maybe or some something that just imply you know more to come in early 20 you know early 2020 and I don't think they can go the whole year without at least implying something is coming, particularly given how quiet things are for Sony, as you say. In terms of xCloud, I would, I mean, public tests are expected to start in the next couple of months, if I remember rightly. I wouldn't be surprised if they roll that out by the end of the year, but under the guise slash caveat of always, always early access, i.e. it might be broken, but we still want you to sign up for it anyway. And then if that proves to be, if that if it's proving to be more stable than they then if it's proving to be stable enough we might see a streaming box kind of if not this christmas then early next year i wonder mm. streaming's an interesting thing I'm, I'm talking more than i said i would um the um uh because i was ihs have streaming revenues currently at 230 million globally which is really tiny i mean it's not even on the it's not even on the you wouldn't even appear on the pie chart really um and um, although what Google are doing with Project Stream and Microsoft with Project X Cloud, and I think it's gonna, people are going to talk about streaming loads, but it, I don't know if you, you're not going to get a load of people taking it up. Um, not initially. I think a lot of things we're going to try and do is get the tech ready um, uh, to the point where people will start coming on board. It's just going to it's a bit like early days of VR, although to compare it to VR is not fair. But um, where you know we're all going to be talking about it as if it's the next big thing, but actually. Consumers won't come on board yet, um, but yeah, they, they, I, I, you could get an Xbox. You know, if X Cloud's ready, I expect them to put some form of hardware out there. Um, uh, they want to put it on every platform going, though, don't they? They want to put it on everything um, that's available. So um, I expect to hear some partnerships from in terms of that. Do you think we'll see a uh, Xbox app for the Switch? Well, so I've got one of my predict. My prediction here is I've written down Xbox and Nintendo sitting in a tree, K I S S I N G, um, and that's my that's my prediction. Um, and I don't know if it will be that, Brendan. I mean, it, so I've got Xbox and Nintendo have been mates before. Um, they released a load of games on the Game Boy Advance and DS, um, mostly rare games, but there was others like Age of Empires. 
And I, I don't quite know the story behind it, but I've heard some background chatter about how things turned a bit sour. Um, and I don't know if that was a metric thing, a management thing, I don't know. But things seem to be back on track because we had that Minecraft advertising tie-up between Nintendo and Xbox, which I thought was really cool. And right. So I think we will see something between Nintendo and Xbox this year. Um, I would love it, and I think it would be the moment of E3 um, if uh, Miyamoto turned up on the Xbox stage or something, right? I mean, that would be, you know, I you can now... Cause, you can now stream games onto your Switch. You can now play Halo on Switch. I would just be, a, that would be a moment. Um, and, you know, you have to pay for Game Pass subscription, of course. But And based on Nintendo's strategy and based on Xbox strategy, that's possible. I mean, that's not, that doesn't contradict what they're saying. That's that's something that they could do. But I, I'm, I'd be more expecting a Super Smash Brothers. You know, I expect, that, you know, maybe a Minecraft or a Banjo-Kazooie. We're hearing a lot of chatter about that um uh turning up in that game or even if it's just like some old rare games that are owned by microsoft showing up on the n64 mini if there is one of those um but i i think we will see a a close a close that that relationship getting a bit getting a bit closer and i and you know every time i talk to microsoft you know we spoke to phil spencer just before christmas and we, were, we basically said look could could we see this on switch and he sort of dodged the question um because the answer is yes, we could see it on Switch, but obviously it's not just up to Microsoft. Um, um, the only thing I'll say is that Switch is streaming, from what I've heard, because the, they did some streaming tests in the Japan for Assassin's Creed and Resident Evil. Isn't that great? Um, and that might be something to do with the technology in the Switch. So I don't know if maybe it'll be saved for any um, hardware revision. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm not an expert in that. that that's what I'd assume, because I, I have a vague memory of um, when the Switch first come out, uh, came out, people complaining about kind of the, the Wi-Fi strength on the, on the, on the Switch isn't brilliant. Um, I mean, I, even my own, my own Switch. If I want to download something on my Switch, I have to have it next to my router in order to just, just flick out that little kickstand and leave it next to the router to download something, which is why I haven't really played anything online on the Switch. So yeah, anything that involves streaming. I mean, maybe with you know, with Game Pass, like it would be, to begin with, the only Game Pass titles you can access are the backwards compatible ones, the ones that are smaller and less hardware intensive than the Xbox One titles, which there's still a fair amount of them on that pass. Um, and then yeah, eventually that would expand. The thing with streaming is that the hardware intensive nature doesn't really matter oh no what what i mean is so um you get game pass on switch and you can download you know, properly download any kind of backwards compatible titles but then the xbox one titles which would require streaming that would need better technology better better online connection i have no reason to believe that this would happen in particular but that would be a perfect fit with what we said earlier for a, a switch upgrade of some sort with better voice chat options perhaps that don't involve using your phone and also a gosh dang ethernet port on the back of the switch so you don't have to buy a third party adapter to plug the dang see i kind of feel like those are just as unlikely i'll be honest when it comes to nintendo and online that is just as unlikely (laughs) they are they really are and it's terrible i just don't want to see a world where the switch has better backwards compatibility with Microsoft's old systems than Nintendo's <laughs> own systems. No, I agree. I agree. That's a sad state of affairs. So I had a chat. Um, I, I had a chat with a, a former Nintendo employee who was in the very early meetings about Nintendo Switch Online. And the vision for Nintendo Switch Online at the time was um, basically it was a, a catalogue of almost all of Nintendo's back catalogue games. And you pay a monthly subscription fee and you get access to them and you can play online and everything. 
And that was the vision, he said. And then I left the company. And then when they finally gets revealed, it's like five SNES games. <laughs> no. See, but they're drip, they're drip feeding it like they did with the virtual console on the Wii. Like the virtual console on the Wii, it was a good two, three years before you had all the classics available. So it feels like they've gone back to that. I have strategy. to wonder if that's because of the, cons- the mini consoles selling so well. I know if if maybe, maybe. if it wasn't yeah. for the fact that SNES Mini was still flying off shelves, still selling millions of consoles, if we'd have SNES games, I mean, it's just come on, SNES games. Um, um, I am so upset at the idea of the uh, NES Classic or SNES Classic because they were awesome. Uh, their success just meaning we can't have this much nicer thing in yeah. <laughs> actual digital library of all these old games accessible to whoever wants them for a nominal fee. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, has anyone jumped on Switch Online paying for that yet? Nope. No. Uh, I have, but mostly just no. to play smash well, i've not Brothers. done it yet i would i would have done it you know if i could have even, even if it's just so i can play mario world i could do like a fifth copy of that game i'd happily uh <laughs> i'd happily subscribe <laughs> I, I vaguely remember there being rumors that they're doing a so with zelda on switch online they, they did a version where you can download it and you have all the hearts and the sword to begin with so it's not like dark souls hard um there was rumors they were going to do that with super metroid i vaguely remember of, of hearing this then maybe I would I'd be interested because I I suck at Metroid games. While we're on um, Switch, then one of the things I I hope to see this year is I think we're going to get a big wave of third big third party titles because it's two years on now from launch. So all those publishers that would have been holding off and seeing well let's see how well this thing sold as soon as it sold it's like right get our Switch games into production and it's round about now that they should should start kind of emerging inevitably that's probably going to be like you know definitive editions of various past generation titles as we've already been getting but i'd really love to see some big current generation titles on you know modified for switch Mm. yeah i've always say this about third party titles if you look back in time if you look at the top 10 best-selling games on every i've said this before but if you look at the top 10 best-selling games on every nintendo platform ever released you have to go back to the snares to find a third party game and that is uh Street Fighter. 2. No, I, I know. And I, I, I know. I, and and particularly, I'm, I'm, I'm the, not like negative. I, I don't. I do think because there's rumor out there that EA have been working on getting Frostbite working on the um, working on the Switch. Um, and um, so you know, I'm not saying. I think we will get more third party games. I just don't. I think. I think. I think maybe after all these years, publishers are going to go. You know what? Let's not. Because you remember the Wii U came out and they put out Call of Duty and Assassin's Creed and Mass Effect. And nobody bought them. Yeah, and um, and I just, I just think you know. But you know, a game like Rabbids or you know, EA actually had a load of success on the Wii with things like um, their fitness games and their um, and their sports titles and some of their more life, you know, casual stuff. You know, Take Two with the carnival games and stuff. And I know hardcore Nintendo fans will be mortified to hear uh, we're talking about carnival games being Take Two's big push. But then at the same time, you know, GTA Five could that come? To, you know. Um, that would that that probably sell anywhere, right? Um, that that's the last title they've got. Sorry, that's the last platform that Rockstar can put it on, right? I'm, I'm, and yeah, I that that could happen because it's a previous gen title, so you'd get the a slightly spruced up previous gen version. Um, yeah, I know what you mean about the the publishers, third party publishers never getting into the top selling Wii games. I know that, but I think there's just still so much excitement around the Switch that I think it's still viable to all right you're never going to have a top 10 seller as in an overall life you know life cycle top 10 seller 
But if you if you're selling enough, particularly if it is a bloody port, to just recoup that cost of just you know if you, I'm I'm massively oversimplifying the uh, the process of porting, but it's it's less expensive presumably than developing a whole new game from scratch. I just I I think I think it's time for more. There's already a lot of third party titles on the on the Switch, but there are some notable absences in the form of EA, Activision, etc. Like you know, they're big franchises. I would like to see them on Switch this year. Yeah, I, I think is I just I just think when you think about because the thing is they don't EA Activision don't actually release that many games, and when, when I think about you know Activision, what would they put on it? Would they put Call of Duty on it? Um, uh, uh, sure, Spyro completely. You know that's you know looking how well Crash Bandicoot did and how Crash Team Racing's coming out on it. Yeah, completely. When you think Destiny and you think Call of Duty, I'm like I don't know if that's that that that's their entire lineup, isn't it? And then and then EA, it's would you put Battlefield on there? Um, FIFA, sure, and the sports games. Um, and then Ubisoft, Ubisoft support it. Um, they do, and you know they'll, they'll, what they think will work on it, they'll put on it. Um, but yeah, I, it's interesting. It's um, I, I do I agree with you, James. I do think there'll be more third-party games. I, you're, I think we are heading into that second year now. We're going to start seeing... Um, you know, maybe some ports from 360 era stuff, and you know, I'm still waiting for XCOM 2 to come out on it and um, and stuff like that. But I, I, um, I don't, I don't think we're going to suddenly see um, all the big third party titles. You know, coming. Well, the Doom's coming out on it. That'd be interesting. Doom Eternal, isn't it? Is that that's a that's game. that's the thing. Bethesda has done so well, like bringing like we have Wolfenstein 2, or Doom Eternal. Like I, I just, I'd like to see more third party titles, more AAA's tr- attempting that at least. Mm. I don't think it really fits kind of the the current EA Activision mold because those games like Battlefield and Call of Duty and Destiny are heavily online, multiplayer, frequently updated games as a service-y kind of things. And that's not really... Like, there's not a huge online player base for the Nintendo platform in the first place. And those experiences would have to be, you know, different enough, watered down, if you're being uncharitable, um, to to fit onto the, the Switch that, that the people playing in that world would be, you know, noticeably playing something that isn't quite what the, the real big boy Call of Duty or Destiny is. It would, it would be like the Vita version of Call of Duty or something. Yeah, yeah. no, that's fair enough. But you, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if EA did like Plants vs. Zombies, Garden Warfare 3 or whatever one we're up to on there. You know, that that, that, that seems like a, an ideal match. And as I say, I'm surprised. I was actually surprised Spyro wasn't out on Switch. I thought that would be a surefire big seller for Activision before Christmas. I'm, I'm assuming that'll come at some point. And... Um, you know, I, I know. You know, Monster Hunter will that that will show up, I'm sure. And and you know, it's whether or not it'll be the world one or completely uh, original one. So I do think that you know, and I think things like Fortnite is interesting because there's this entire uh, you know, there's all these game developers like Supercell and stuff like that developing these mid-core games that are really popular on mobile. I wouldn't necessarily be surprised to see those being the sort of better fit for for what Nintendo's trying to do with Switch. But yeah. Um, yeah, that's third party. So, one thing that uh, I'm wondering about for predictions wise for maybe next year uh, or maybe this year, whenever the next gen from Sony and Microsoft comes along, do you does anyone expect that they will have looked at the Switch 
seen the you know the how the portable home hybrid works and incorporate any possible learning or implementation of that in their own next gen i don't i don't i think microsoft are going too far down there we want our services now software on any device therefore the the nature of the device doesn't matter and then sony have tried twice with the handheld you know the portable console and both times have struggled i can't see either of them trying to make their own switch personally so with microsoft if if their whole approach is that the the platform the hand the you know the the device that you're using doesn't actually matter does that then not make it kind of a an ideal opportunity to release here is a handheld and all it does is you know our our streaming thing already because may as well if you're going to have a streaming box xbox one you know why not why not make that a handheld possibly well I mean, Xbox or Microsoft, in that Phil Spencer interview, he talks about tablets quite a lot. He talks about people playing xCloud on mobile. So, you know, I I don't know if they need... I don't know if they would want to make a piece. You know, would they need to? I mean, can they not just put an Xbox xCloud app on iPhone and iPad and and and, and uh, Switch and everything else and just go, right, there you go. You don't need to buy yourself another tablet or mobile device. A lot of people still want physical controls, something that they can hold in their hands, and, and like I, even a tablet with like a Xbox One remote tethered to it, mm-hmm. like that works for hooking it up to the TV through an HDMI port. But for like gaming on the go, like no, I don't want to play any of those games on a touchscreen on the go. I think it would be interesting as a lower cost option to play Xbox games because I mean, yeah, they have. You know, they've been lowering prices towards the end of the generation and all these other things, but also, you know, they're going to come out with this brand new Xbox whatever the next thing is here in a couple of years, and it's going to be expensive, and big new consoles are expensive, and it seems like they've Microsoft has kind of been experimenting with ways to make their things more affordable, like they did the, um, the all-access thing where you can, like, pay per month to get an Xbox or whatever, and it's not this horrible thing where it ends up making the xbox more expensive um i don't know if that's the way they would go but i think like a portable option or like a smaller kind of option like that would be interesting just as a way to capture a bigger audience um, of people who can't afford to pay you know hundreds of dollars all at once for that new console those payment plans are already pretty popular with conquer statues i (laughs) (laughs) guess you sir um well i guess it could do that because um it would make sense um uh, obviously, because you talk about payment plans, because if you're talking about a mobile device where you can play Xbox games on the go and it's all done via xCloud, then it would need to have some form of SIM card, right? You'd need to have some form of internet. You're paying for the internet, right? So you can access it on the go, on the train, on the bus, like you know, like the iPads that um, you can buy um, for the, with that kind of service. So I guess you know you could even. Yeah, I guess in theory, and Microsoft does say it's working on multiple consoles. That yeah, wouldn't. I wouldn't say. I don't. I mean, I don't. I say, but I agree. With, uh, PlayStation. PlayStation have already ruled it out, haven't they? I mean, they asked if they would move back into portable games, and they just said no. So, um, I'll be interested to see what Nintendo does to counter the 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 death of the 3DS, because this has got to be the last year of the 3DS. Um, there's what one game left to come out, really, and it's next week. So, um, and that and they've always they positioned that as the kids' console, right, for the for the early entry level point um, for uh, entry level console for people and. And when that dies off, what what are they got? Are they gonna? Are they just gonna focus on Switch? Or are they gonna 
do a different thing. Chris, Chris, Chris. Poor sweet Chris. The 3DS is the third pillar. (laughs) (laughs) What's the second pillar? (laughs) Just like when they introduced the DS and the Game Boy Advance was the third pillar. What's the second pillar in this? Um... (laughs) I was astonished at how long they kept that. They've been keeping the 3DS going, though, because, I mean, even like earlier this year, they were releasing brand new, not technologically distinct models of the 3ds but you know different you know versions of it like collector's editions for different games that were coming out um, that had all these different visual designs and those you know those take money to produce and people were clearly buying them if they were doing if, if they continued to release these new you know versions of it you know year after year after year and i'm just like amazed that they were still investing in making more of those and people were still buying enough of them that it was reasonable for them to do this it seems like they've stopped um but also they usually coincided with a new 3DS release. And so who knows? Um, you know, people on Twitter are talking about there being a Nintendo Direct here for the new year soon. Maybe we're just going to see a whole bunch of 3DS games, guys. <laughs> I don't believe it. Um, well, I'm still waiting I for Game either. Boy Revival. Well, you know, the, the I remember, was it the GBA Micro? They announced that? Or they released that like six months after the, the DS? That was the third pillar, wasn't it? That was the third pillar thing we remember. They actually released yeah. a new model of Game Boy. Um, after the DS came out, but yeah, I mean, I, I understand where Nintendo's coming from. You know, with the 3DS, it's you know under a hundred quid with a game, and well, I don't know how much it is in the US. Um, and you know, it's, if you want a, 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 a cheap device with great games on it to keep the kids quiet in the car, it's not a bad, not a bad product. And the 2DS, the new 2DS, I hear is really quite nice, nice piece of kit. Um, but yeah, I. Yeah. I it also still has so much virtual console on it, too. Like, the Switch doesn't have that, and everyone's throwing out their Wii U's, but the 3DS has all those virtual console games on it still. Yeah, backwards compatibility on that is great yeah, in terms of the classic games, because I was one of those people that bought it at full price when it came out, so I got all the um, Ambassador games, um, those GBA titles. Did they even release any of those? I don't think they did. I think I think they were still exclusive to the ambassadors because I've got those. Well. I've still got my launch 3ds. I never upgraded to the XL or the uh, or the 2ds, um, oh. and it still works, and I still love it. Um, right, let's. I gotta say, Nintendo did a good job salvaging the 3ds because that first six months yeah. was so brutal, and even though they've long since sort of abandoned the whole 3D part of it, like. Here's here's a console with like one gimmick, and we're going to botch the launch completely, and then we're going to abandon the gimmick. And they're they're still, what was it, seven years now? Twenty nineteen? It come out in twenty twelve. Like yeah, they've, I, they've yeah, sold a truckload nearly, of them. Nearly sold That's... as many. It's not. It's, I think it's their least successful handheld, but not by a huge margin. Not by as much as you'd have expected after that. That start. I mean, it's got you know nearly eighty million or seventy odd million. Um, uh, people that have um, bought that. It, yeah, I uh, mean, other companies they would have like stumbled out of the gate and then instantly pulled the plug on it and then salted the earth with their loyal fans who maybe bought a Vita and just wanted some freaking <laughs> games for it. Well, 70, 74 million Nintendo 3DS sales, um, which is you know pretty good. I mean, and also I think I remember I remember what they did as well. They got they they wanted they need they were aware they didn't have enough games, so they. They got they they they, they utilised their development resource to get Mario Kart out quicker in that first year, and that was all a uh, that was all um, carefully planned. I, I you know I was quite cri- I'm a, I've been 
that was an interesting reaction to Nintendo, Nintendo made there to their um, 3DS. With the Switch, I was quite interested to see them not react at all to that. That was the reason why I was thinking, you know, when Nintendo was so confident that the end of the year was going to go really well, end of last year was going to go really well, and um, and all the analysts, and particularly Michael Pactor, saying, no, nope, they're going to miss their target by a huge margin, and Nintendo goes, ah, oh, we don't think so. And, um, and that's why I thought, I think Nintendo knows something, because... Um, when they thought they were going to miss their targets with the 3DS, they really entered crisis mode. You know, they cut the price and they brought the games forward and they they marshaled their development resources. But they didn't change a thing. And in fact, when you look at you know Pokemon followed by Black Friday, followed by Cyber Monday, followed by um, Smash Brothers, and you look at how that just lifted that machine just in you know just in the nick of time. Um, maybe they know what they're doing after all. We've veered away from predictions, so I'm going to get us back on uh, back on track with a little bit of anticipation to round out the uh, the show. What is your most anticipated game this year, and why? You may only pick one each. We're not going to have a game of the year debacle again. Okay, I'll go first. Uh, Yoshi's Crafted World, because it is adorable, and Yoshi's Woolly World was one of my favorite Wii U games, and never got the appreciation it deserved that does, that does look good I, Woolly World's one that i missed on wii u and i was quietly hoping for a, a switch port but i guess they're bringing this out instead which um it does look good it's on 3ds isn't it Woolly world oh, it is it on is. 3DS, yeah. um it's not as good because everything doesn't look as soft on the uh, 3ds i wish they put it on switch but yeah brendan that's a good one um mine is animal of crossing course. Um, of course which will surprise zero people um there's a whole bunch of really cute games that like indie games that look like they're coming out next year things like ooblets and stuff but i think animal crossing just i even though they haven't shown anything of it yet um you kind of know what to expect with animal crossing and the thing about animal crossing is that you love it and you play it for a long time if you love it um, and you want to play it on whatever thing you happen to have on hand already. And the Switch makes perfect sense because it can be this absolutely beautiful game, um, but it can, well, you know, beautiful with Nintendo aesthetic, um, but it can also be portable, which is, I think, one of the things that made New Leaf so wonderful is that everybody just had their, D- their 3DS with them and just, you know, carried New Leaf around, and it was just a really fantastic game that they ended up supporting for a long time. So I'm hoping they do the same thing with the Switch version. While we're gushing about Nintendo, then my most anticipated game, or rather the game I'm most curious about, is Pokemon. If the if the next core Pokemon RPG really does come out by the end of the year for Switch, as they have previously claimed, I just I've been playing a lot of Pokemon in the last three or four months, like, but largely just stopped myself from buying Let's Go. I've been playing X, as I know, been playing Y, Gold, and Sun, and that is a series in desperate need of a kind of a Breath of the Wild style refresh. It's not going to get one, you know. <laughs> It's not going to get one, I know, but like they tried it with Sun by removing the gyms, and but the, the, it was still it's still the same game you played in the nineties, just with so many features crammed in. And from what I've heard about Let's Go, Let's Go kind of really simplifies it and gets it back to basics, which I think they need to do. So I'm kind of looking forward to see how they mesh you know, you know, the 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 bloated formula that had become the core Pokemon games and then the Let's Go stuff like simple things like yeah being able to walk around and pick which monster you want to be ambushed by that at the very least I want that in the core Pokemon RPG so I mean I'm intrigued to see what they do with it I think you're gonna you're angering the Pokemon fans um I I remember when I did a I did a chart story about Pokemon Let's Go which did very well and all these people started jumping on the story about how badly it did and I went, it didn't, I don't understand what we're talking about. It didn't beat Sun and Moon, but it, it did pretty good. I, 
I'd be quite happy with those numbers if I was Nintendo or, or the Pokemon company. And it just turned out the fans hate it um, because it's not what Pokemon's supposed to be. I have to fear that, you know, I think Game Freak are one of the, I think that game is one of those things where if you change too much of it, you just, infu- you, you enrage a group of, uh, a group of people that just want, you know, a more advanced version of um, red, blue and yellow every single time. Um, I hope I'm wrong, but uh, uh, I can't help but feel Let's Go might just be a different, um, that might be the experiment. And they always experiment with Pokemon Ranger and Pokemon Mystery Dungeon. They've experimented with different RPG mechanics and ideas around Pokemon, but they always do it as a spin-off as opposed to the, uh, as opposed to that don't mess with the uh, the main series. Mm-hmm. Go on then, what are you looking forward to other than the inevitable Sea of Thieves expansions? Ah, oh, yes, uh, Sea of Thieves. No, um, Resident Evil 2. I mean, I'm hoping it's not going to be the best game of the year. I hope it's like In the Valley of the Gods or something. But... Um, um, uh, Resident Evil 2 was my favourite old school Resident Evil game Resident Evil 4 is one of my favourite games of all time so the idea of combining those two together sounds to me like the greatest thing ever created um, so I'm looking forward to that and that's only out in about two weeks so happy days um, yeah. Right well I think that is all we've got time for uh, thank you very much for joining me guys uh, that's been brilliant I think, I think we've, uh, we've put ourselves out there and uh, come up with a few predictions on uh, what we what we'd like to see happen we will of course be covering all of the events both the ones that we have expected and all the ones we haven't at gamesindustry.biz you can find all our previous episodes of the podcast over on pretty much any podcasting provider that you choose to use um, certainly go back and have a listen to our game of the year episode that was good fun to do that was uh, good, good, some good interesting choices there and uh, plenty of lively discussion In the meantime, you can, as always, find your daily dose of news, insight and analysis into the world behind video games at gamesindustry.biz. 